You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, and welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I am the producer, Jason Lewis. I would like to thank you for tuning in to the From the Shadows podcast. And without further ado, here is your host, Shane Grove. Hello, everyone. I'm Shane Grove, host of From the Shadows podcast. And joining me this morning, we have a full house. And I can tell it's a full house because it's warm in here. For some reason, the air conditioning's not working. I warned you. And I'm blaming the judge. I believe it's just because you're next to Elisa. I think that's why you're warned. Oh, my God. And I'm between the heat of her and Jerry. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, that's it. It's Latin heat, man. It's Latin (laughs) heat. Okay. So I'm not even going to introduce everybody this morning because everybody's here. And even Jerry. Hello, everyone. And and Elisa's mom is hiding in the corner. But she brought it on Jerry. Is she off? Yeah, she brought down. <laughs> Keep it on Jerry. So we're going to dive right in today to uh, a very special guest um, because we're, we want to talk about a subject that most of our loyal listeners, um, if you if you have been listening from the beginning and gone back, uh, the judge had a very frightening dogman experience when we were when we were in high school. Um, that. Uh, He's just now really started to discover what it was all about and talk about it because he didn't want to face the ridicule of uh, me, mainly, (laughs) when we were younger. So, with that being said, um, our guest today is uh, Brian Bowden, who is uh, probably the the biggest dogman expert this side of the Mississippi, I would say. Yes? No? Brian, are you going to lay claim to that? No. No, 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 no. There's no experts in this field. If anybody tells you they're an expert, run. Well, you just ruined everything <laughs> that I set up. I can't believe well, you did no, it. I, I, I appreciate it, but I, I will tell you straight up as a research investigator, I'm not an expert. I'm a research investigator. I'm boots on the ground. Um, there are, see, everybody has their own little more experience in X, Y, and Z. I've had experience in all of the X, Y, and Z, but um, I, don't, I, just, I don't consider myself an expert on it. Uh, constant knowledge. You've got to keep constantly researching these things. So there's no true experts on this. There's experiencers. I've had tons of experience with these different type of cryptids and spirits and what have you. But I don't believe in any experts. I don't like the term. People use that too too quickly. Um, I appreciate it. It's nice accolades, but it's. I don't think I've ever met an expert. I know people that are really knowledgeable in it. Um, but, and that's what I would always say about anything in the field. An expert is someone who probably has a dogman in their house and they're studying it, you know, which I don't think anybody does. Well, that is probably the nicest, uh, way anybody's ever called me a liar. So thank you very much. Well, no, I, I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I thank you very much, but I, I, I never like to use the term expert because, um, it's just, it's an expert is someone who's just, that's all they study. That's all they do. And they're, you know, they're like, you know, scientists, researchers. We try to, I, I was trained a bit in science for physics and 
And uh, at one point, I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an astrophysicist. And then I realized I'll be working at 7-Eleven. Um, so, you know, there's no money in that. But I do have some science background. And I try to impart that into what I do. But I can just tell you from my own experience and my deductions, my I have a ton of hypotheses. But um, I'm not an expert. Uh, I don't want to. You know, just, I'm not even discrediting myself. I'm just telling straight up the truth. There's too many people that are making stuff up in this field that are, you know, well, you want to roll your head. Or what's interesting is when, um, when I was a kid and and I had my dog man experience. I had no idea what I was looking at, what was going on. I didn't want to tell people. I told people the story. I didn't want to tell them exactly what I saw because of, you know, ridicule, make fun of, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what's really cool about about what you're doing is um, the North American Dogman Project is a is a form by which people who have experiences can reach out and find like-minded people, and that didn't exist oh, yeah. in the '80s. You know that didn't exist, and and really for me, I you know it took me until the last you know several years to really kind of delve in and find out that there's these creatures out there, that this wasn't just something, you know, one and done. Um, right. And so it's really cool that people nowadays who haven't experienced now have a form by which they can contact people who are boots on the ground. That's what I really like about you guys, that you're boots on the ground doing investigation. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the North American Dog Man Project, because we have listeners out there that are dog man fans. Well, well, first, Brian, yeah. give give us a little background about you, so everybody kind of understands how you got got it. Because because I started to read your bio, and I could not get past the fact. And I think I you know I sent you the text that you're literally the uh, the cryptid paranormal uh, version of George Costanza because you wanted you started out wanting to be an architect. And you always wanted yeah. to be an architect, and you. I hope there's Seinfeld fans out there to get that reference. But uh, <laughs> so, I mean, this this bio is super impressive. So, I mean, if you want to give everybody the condensed well, version, so they so they know kind of how you got into where you know why we have why we have you on the show. Right. So I I, um, I started out. I was always into science. Always, I love science. I love uh, space and exploration and I'm older than most people apparently now so <laughs> I started out with like loving monster movies um, talking about spaceship and aliens and this program that was on at one point hosted by Leonard Nimoy called in search of which oh, yeah. had all this crazy stuff on it right yeah yes. so you, you pick you know you talk, they talk about Bigfoot and they talk about Loch Ness monster and never talked about werewolves by the way ghosts demons whatever so I was always into this, and I was always into the, you know, uh, space shuttle and space travel, and when Voyager was sent out, it was like, cool, we're going to make contact with aliens, what have you. So my, I always had a science background, and I liked architecture and engineering at one point, and I was thinking about being an architect. I was toying with that and something with physics, um, because I liked the science aspect of it, and maybe astrophysics or whatever. But, you know, boils down to making money. And that's what you got to do. And you kind of can't make money. You'd be working in a university. You'd have to publish papers and if people didn't like them or whatever. So I kind of started a company where I was doing drafting work for a lot of people, a lot of designers and architects. And with that, I got more into the business side of it. So I worked on Wall Street for about 20 years, uh, some of the top firms on trading floors. But I was always doing the side research on, you know, UFOs, aliens and, and crazy things. And that's what brought me over to really, I still do, like, I have a think tank, and we do a, we have a marketing company called BRE Promotions, where we will uh, make you t-shirts, hats, stickers, banners, we'll wrap your car, we'll wrap your kids, whatever. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also, you know, we don't care, we'll just wrap them up, you know. You can put your the, the, the podcast right on your children, we'll just bring them over to our shop and wrap them. And, but I still, you know... What's the address? We can send, we'll send them over right now. <laughs> you got it. It's in, it's, it's in New, New Jersey, actually. But, um, Even better. You know, um, yeah, <laughs> get them out of the state. But what I have is, I, have, I actually have, you know, my wife, when we were dating, she's seen some things, and to this day she still doesn't want to admit to what she's saying because she's one of those non-believers. 
but she she gives me the ability to continue to go out and I go out. I used to go out with a group called uh, Bronxville Paranormal, and I still kind of do. We're, we're we're working things out because the guy that founded Al Santa says he's retired, but uh, I'm not going to let him. Um, he has news, so Al, you're coming out again. But um, we started investigating all this stuff. But I've always been investigating. I've been investigating UFOs for decades. I've been investigating Bigfoot for a long time, uh, close to a couple of decades. I initially started where I thought everything was on the Pacific Northwest, right? You know, everything's out there. That's where the Giblin film is and all that stuff. I didn't even think there was any Bigfoots in this area on the East Coast. And lo and behold, um, there's a lot of Bigfoots. And there's a lot of Bigfoots in New York State, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Uh, the Appalachian Trail along, you know, the whole stretch pretty much. And then once you start researching it, I just, it just went from there. Um, I do podcasting. I have uh, Inside the Goblin Universe with Ron Murphy, or as they call him, the Crypto Guru. And we host a show. We do a bunch of different things with that. Um, and then I also do my own show because, look, Paranormal is fun and it's great, but I also like music. I like uh, art, poetry interesting things and so i did a show called nobo boomy which stands for nobody but me um and we just get people on that show so this is me in a nutshell where i'm i'm constantly constantly researching stuff um to the point where i used to carry a k2 meter with me everywhere i went and um my 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 paranormal brother al we went to his wedding and he goes don't don't mess around at the wedding so as he's walking (laughs) his daughter down the aisle I went over to him. I said, oh, I, I, "I did a," and, I, and he looked down. And I said, "I showed him my K K two meter," and he just shook his head. Jeez, <laughs> oh, you got it. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, once an investigator, always an investigator. <clears throat> well, that's so. So there, everybody. Uh, now, if you're out of breath. From, t- from telling us, that. <laughs> I mean that's imp- I, that's <laughs> impressive though. That's that's why you're on the show because of your passion and dedication. Wealth of knowledge. Yeah, wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate that. Getting just one more thing, just to address the North American Dogman Project. I did not start that. Uh, that was started by Jody Cook and oh, he's going to kill me. Uh, another guy. I forgot his name right off the bat, but they're the ones that started. They, that was their focus. Because no one else had it. Everybody had the Bigfoot stuff, but no one was talking about Dogman. And initially, i got to be honest, when I heard Dogman, my buddy Al said, dude, you got to listen to this. you got to hear this stuff. I'm like, werewolves? Really? Because I thought it was, i, I got to be honest, I thought it was crap. Um, no such thing as werewolves. And then you start listening to it. And then you start interviewing people individually outside of this, you know, off the record that, that work military or some other end of the, you know, where they have more to lose than gain. And you start hearing things, you start questioning, and then you have your own experiences, and you're like, okay, so there's a werewolf now. <laughs> you know, that's something I wanted to know was true or not. Right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Talk to talk to us about the North American Dogman Project, or and and, oh. and what you what you have uh, learned, you know, from your research. Well, you know. When you when you when you hear about people talking about this this cryptid creature, um, and Judge, I did hear your story. Thanks, uh, Shane sent me an episode where you told your story, which was pretty uh, fascinating. And um, I'm gonna probably say you got very lucky that day. <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were you were being you were being, I think in general um, you were being uh, pursued by that 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 creature that came out of the woods and you said that it looked like anubis um and that is the greatest definition explanation if you if people really want to know there's two things i say i say to people regarding well what's a dogman you know uh dogman is a name given by linder godfrey land between the lakes you know frame and all that stuff because they said it looked like a dog on its hind legs um it's basically a werewolf uh a lichen or it, it looks something like the Van Helsing creature of werewolves or American, uh, the, um, American Werewolf in London type of, of werewolf. Or it, it has an Anubis type quality to it where you have this big muscular body that's almost a bipedal, you know, human-esque with lots of hair and claws and this head of a dog. Uh, German Shepherd, 
or something of the like, hyena, a, a German Shepherd, that type of thing. And, um, and being a are, being a, a student of of early Wolfman movies with Lon Chaney, you know when when I saw yeah. this thing, it never resonated with me. Werewolf, because I, you know, yeah. I imagine that the flat yeah. face of a man and wearing a tattered plaid shirt and a pair of jeans, you know, running around. And so for years, you know, I secretly researched what in the heck was it that I saw. Never once thought werewolf. Are you sure it wasn't Grover? Right. <laughs> he could run that fast. Oh, geez. For short periods of time. I because you, you people throughout time have, have talked and discussed uh, Bigfoot Sasquatch. The the indigenous people throughout the world have discussed Sasquatch. I mean, that's always been at the forefront uh, of, of this type of cryptid thing. Um, you know, a man, a bipedal hairy man with apish quality to it, or, or you know, in that realm, that lives in the woods. Um, no one's really discussed publicly that there's this creature that's kind of wolf-esque or hyena-esque it uh, has the, the shape and body of a man. No, I mean, it really wasn't discussed that much. But as more and more of these sightings are coming out, you know, now it becomes, it's the new, you know, in thing. It's, it's the hot potato. This is what people are seeing. Now, I'm going to go so far to say that uh, of the sightings you hear reported, I'm going to give it an 80-20 split. 80% are probably real sightings and 20% are Hyperbole on this cryptid. This cryptid varies in like seven different variants that's been broken down into um, about seven variants from something that looks like a, a, a type one, um, which is like a canine looking uh, variant, really like a wolf, think wolf, werewolf, like a dog werewolf. Those type uh, two variant, which is more hyena-esque to a three uh, type variant, uh, which is more like that wolf, uh, werewolf in Van Helsing, that werewolf soldier that's like 12 feet tall. There's also ones that look a little bit like, um, I'm going to say like combination of a cheetah and a leopard or something to that effect. And then you get into the type three variants, which run the gamut from like uh, a, a deformed Bigfoot monkey to a baboon. Um, with a middle one being really, really evil-looking mad dog. And it, it depends on where you are and what you're looking at. Because I always thought, initially, when you're going out into this field, there's going to be variations of these things anyhow. It's, it's in human nature. Like, look, we, we're, we're more Caucasian in this country than, let's say, you know, in Asia, there's certain different break, breaks down different characteristics. So... Throughout human history, there's going to be certain changes that distinguish us from each other. But ultimately, they're all lumped into the dogman category because it, it acts more like that werewolf. So are you um, saying there's more the, like breeds? You know, like in, in canines, we have different breeds. The, the, but, in the dogman phenomena, there's different breeds of dogman. I think there, there are um, not only different breeds or we'll call them variants because that's what they've been using. Um, but there's also different roles in different stages. See, a lot of the dogmen stories we hear, first of all, dogmen in general, they don't hunt alone. So that's why I said you got lucky. You were running when you were running and you were doing the pacing, you're hearing this thing keeping pace with you. It was, it was no effort for this creature to keep pace with you. Right. At all. Absolutely. At, at all. I mean, it's insane what these things can do. These things can leap 60 feet without even thinking about it. But in general, if you have a dogman, if you come up on a road, you're walking in the woods, you're hunting, whatever it is, and you come up and this thing steps out in front of you, I will guarantee you, you have one behind you or one creeping around to behind you. They never, ever are alone. That was the theory. And, most, and that, and that yeah. was a theory that when years later I was on an airplane, actually, talking to some guy who had actually hunted wolves and that was his theory he's like look you, you were being pushed you know his thing was you know wolves wolves don't like to attack anything of size by themselves they're scared they'd get hurt not be able to run with the pack and so what his theory was this thing was pushing me towards us towards the pack 
or if there or however big the pack was. And that if and I was very lucky that I turned right and went to my buddy's house versus turn left. Because if I'd have turned yep. left I probably would they they would have ran me right into it. Yeah, that, that what they'd like to do is they like to steer in that direction. You were perfect prey. You were uh, a runner, you're lean, it's all muscle, there's very little fat on you, right? Not oh, anymore. Listen. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk. But yeah, you're right. I mean, in, yeah. So as far as his animal smell and protein right. and stuff like that, yep. yeah, I would have been. I'd have been. I mean, right, right was, now, yeah. he he's probably feeding the whole pack for two, at least two months. <laughs> but I, so I want to I want to ask, and maybe this yeah. is a question that some of our listeners that are not familiar with this subject. So. Do you do you believe that the dog man then we're talking about a creature that solely exists as a dog man type creature, not the one that we've seen in the movies, not that, metamorphosing yeah, from man. Yeah, this to isn't this isn't some, like man. Yeah, this yeah. isn't some curse that somebody turns into. Uh, which is we can do another Seinfeld reference where uh, where Jerry shaves his chest and you know and it grows back in and he becomes. And can't stop the scratching and itching, but but that's is that what we're talking? We're, we're talking about this is biological a, creature, yeah, a biological creature that when mm-hmm. we call it dog man, it's only because it appears to be bipedal, be bi- bipedal, not that it's half half actually half man. Or is it? Well, I think that that when you get into the subject of these cryptids, these dog men, the physical, you know, the the physical traits of these things as well as into the Sasquatch Bigfoot. I think you're, you're almost getting like a missing link type of thing here. I think there is a development, there may have been a crossover between the human gene and these things that created this, this end of the creature. Maybe this was created prior to humans and we are the end result of genetic manipulation. I um, don't know, that's a theory, okay? but. I think that if we had hairs from this creature, definitive hairs, like come and grab the whole bunch of it while it was being attacked, and here, I got these hairs from it. I think you'd find that the DNA and RNA on it had some human qualities to it where you'd say, well, I'm getting human. And it, w- it just it would be something there that says, well, I'm getting human stuff, but I'm also getting dog stuff. So you probably had something rub up against you. I think there is something to this, this cryptid um, that has a human quality. I definitely believe this thing does not transform. I'm talking about from your typical, you know, like I see Lon Chaney Jr. transforming in the, in the moonlight and the hair is growing on his face or in American Werewolf in London, you know, the snout comes out. I don't think it does that. It's not that. This is its own entity, own species. And initially I didn't think of any of these things, anything, they're calling it woo now, but it's really embarrassing and I find it disgusting that people call it the woo because you get ridiculed for believing this stuff to begin with, right? They put you in that special yellow bus because, oh, go on, you UFOs. The short, the short bus, the short bus, yes. Well, they put you in a shorter bus now because <laughs> people don't believe in the woo. So now, now not mm. only are you mentally challenged, you're like the king of mentally challenged, you know, like that special bus. It's good to be the king. It's his own. Yeah, it's always good to be the king. Another Seinfeld reference. Um, okay, <laughs> I was I was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering about you were talking earlier about the variants, the different variants of this creature. Um, right. Do you think that they developed? Uh, like uh, sort of like a dogish, uh, like one that may look like a um, Anubis type of character in one area versus say another part of the world it might look more like a uh, baboonish kind of face or something uh do you think it's like regional how it developed because it developed to adapt to live in its environment or what's your thoughts on that yeah well i think that you know if you want to talk about evolution i think what happens is that it's really interesting how animals and and nature will find a way to survive and maybe we only use like 3% of our brain, right? Right. So if we use five, imagine what we could do if we use 5%. And imagine if we have the ability to use 90%. What are the possibilities that we are capable of doing that we have yet to unlock? So 
this is where we get into the woo factor or the craziness factor. I think these ability, the abilities are genetically that this creature has and is aware of um, can be uh, a metamorphosis type of thing where you are not physically, you know, going from man to human to an animal, but you have the ability to adapt for your survival needs, like what you just said, depending on the region. And also, I think it also takes, if you consider like where these things are, are primarily growing up or, or existing in starting out, they're going to, uh, maybe there was a relationship between something that was pre-dogman to like a pre-human, like Cro-Magnon, you know, person or Neanderthal. We they talk about Gigantopithecus mm-hmm. all the time. And where they know that this thing is bred with uh, the human side of things. So we've had certain relations there, and those have offspring. Who knows what happens during that process, that procreation process? It could have been that process that bred these things out, where someone's having uh, an, an interaction, an intimate interaction with another creature, and somehow the DNA and RNA just get, boom, it matches, and they pr- produce offspring. And then over time, these things start to get produced. I don't know. I mean, there's, we don't have anything concrete you know um, a physical specimen that's in public hands i'm not you know i i thoroughly believe that our government is aware of all these things they have Mm -hmm. you know they have species of all these things and they know exactly what they are that's why it's very secretive i mean you know the national parks bring in a ton of money correct yes Um, Mm -hmm. how how likely you're going to bring your kids to uh yeah, yeah you know yellowstone or yosemite if you know that there's this 12 foot bipedal wolf werewolf looking thing that would would want to munch on your children it's it's hard enough to to, it's hard enough to get people to go to cedar point knowing jerry's right i mean i can't imagine (laughs) don't worry kids love me kids look this thing has abilities that will blow your mind i think this thing has the ability um oh this i'm gonna get I, i keep getting crap for it but i don't care i'm gonna say it straight up i think there's an interdimensional aspect to this creature and it has the ability to um, use whatever technology it has or, or its own abilities to blend into surroundings, to dematerialize in front of your face. It looks like it's dematerializing, but maybe cloaking itself to travel into and out to other dimensions, just that, like Sasquatch. Well, well, yeah, just, that's I mean, fascinating. Most animals in general have a way of cloaking themselves into their natural habitat, whether it's... Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's interdimensional, you know. Well, even, I mean, especially predators. I mean, predators that, I mean, they're they're amazing at camouflaging themselves. Yeah. Um, They're not going out there in the woods like us with bright orange. Right. (laughs) 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 You know, like, yeah, here I am. Don't don't eat me. So, you know. Yeah, what, what, what does so let's just say that someone thinks they have a dogman experience and they contacted the North American Dogman Project. What would you guys do? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I volunteered Al and myself for New York State. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge state. We, we have a couple other uh, areas in Western New York that are have another director there because we're all co directors, but we can't handle the entire state. I mean, to go from where I am in the city area to like West PA, you know, eight, nine, 12 hours. It depends. Um, so we have a variety of different investigators. If you contact us, we take this information and we're going to send out, we're going to go and do a preliminary investigation with, with an individual. We're going to interview you. We keep all your information confidential. We don't report it, you know, to anybody. It gets reported back to the center, uh, which is just the North American Dogman Project that, that governs everything. For the most part but then we go out and we investigate and we'll we'll bring we'll get a, a group of guys together guys and girls and whatever we go out we go to the location that it's happened we try to do uh, at least a three-day run on it it's sometimes it's difficult uh, but we'll we'll try to monitor the situation about 24 hours to see what it's like during the day and during the night we look for uh, your atypical cracks scat hair samples, we take audio, video, FLIR, we use full spectrum, and we try to capture uh, evidence that this creature is actually there. 
You know, um, I wouldn't jump in there, and I, and and I and I think that's a great idea. One of the things that always drove me nuts, and I'm a big Josh Gates fan. I love Josh Gates. But but Josh is they go out there destination trip and they spend twelve hours trying to find right. something. It's like, dude, you got to be there for days and weeks. He's a big star. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't well, I know, want to do. I get right. it, but but that's the difference between really doing an investigation versus trying to okay. put on a So TV now we show. called out Josh Gates. I'm not calling out Josh oh, Gates. I love Josh Gates. But, but in theory, you can't do a TV show where Josh is out in the field for a week at a time. You know what I mean? Well, so yeah. go ahead. So one of my one of my friends growing up is actually his, his, his director of photography, Evan Stone. Um, and I didn't find that out until, because we didn't have, we didn't have all the social media. So when we were growing up, if you didn't have phone numbers or whatever, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. So I, I actually noticed there was an episode in Gates where they go to the Hubbardsku Forest, and Evan, the cameraman, is Evan B. Stone, who's a great guy, great family. Um, he gets lifted up off the ground. I mean, like physically pulled out off the ground. He's a, he was a bigger guy back then. Um, so the way TV works is this. You're seeing what looks like 24 hours, but they've been there longer than that. Really? They're just giving you whatever the highlights. Yeah, uh, when he when he went to Nepal, you, you don't go for just three days. It's not like going to Club Med, you know. Right. It takes a long time to get to Nepal. It's very high up. You have to adjust. So they are there for longer periods. But, you know, it's not like everything's just popping and, you know, rocking out there. Oh, look, there's, yeah, there's a Yeti, and there's one, too. Ooh, you know, it, it's, it takes a longer period of time. He's got to travel by foot. A lot of these destinations that that group goes to, it's it's hard. Go- these guys are hoofing it, you know. I mean, of course, you want to get there quicker, but you know, it's just you're limited by the weight. Well, now you know why we'll, you have to travel. Now you know why we'll never have a TV show is because the judge can't commit to more than twelve hours because that's in his mind what it took. So thanks, you screwed us from ever having a TV show. Thanks. At least you did. As far as TV shows are concerned. Um, I, I'm with a quarter 13, which is a talent appearance agency, but they also do movies. Yeah. And they're the ones that put out um, Expedition Bigfoot this year. Yeah, so Russell, Russell they and, and, they went and there for three Rebecca, weeks. Dr. Foster and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were there so, three weeks. So, right. Yeah, so they went out there and they, they're using what I loved about the program uh, prior for me signing with them and being part of their group. Um, I like the fact that they used uh, science and data and information to correlate lo- most likely spots these things have been seen. And then they camped there for about a month, you know, three weeks to a month, and they kept going out and, and doing these things. And they kept using better equipment like FLIRs and LIDAR and, and, and something to that nature. That was a very, very good series for that. But most of these other things, you know, you're filming for TV, so they have cut scenes, they know exactly the B-roll. They know the A-roll. They know what they want to talk about. They go back in, and the editor puts it together and makes it look exciting. Um, you're correct. You need to be able to go on an investigation in an area constantly, uh, months at a time. So taking this um, back to the original question about when you guys go out three days, you're bringing all your equipment. Um, tell us some interesting stories that you found through your guys' investigations. Well... I happen to send uh, you some photos. <laughs> yes, we've so, all, we all we looked, we at looked at them. We looked at yeah. them. Yeah. So um, something that's very interesting, I'll go into a, a specific investigation because it, it, it was a culmination of months over time. We did a, a day-night investigation in, in New York State at a place of high strangeness. Um, and what happens is it, 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 the, the facility, it's called Nuclear Lake. And the reason why it's called Nuclear Lake is at one point back in the 70s, United Nuclear Corporation got permission from the U.S. government to work with weapons-grade plutonium and uranium to craft an engine or a fuel cell. So this is the beginning um, of an awesome B-horror movie. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, taking no, I'm taking notes right now. You know. Yeah, so, so, like, so they, they put it up in this lake area there, and... To get in, you have to walk about a mile to get in just to get to the tip of where the lake starts. The lake is about, uh, from point to the beginning to the top of the lake, you're looking at about two miles, 
Um, and there's two different trails you can take. If you go to the right side, it's more like a goat trail, rocky, you'll kill yourself. To the left, it was that's where they put the facility. They had an accident there. There was an explosion and a fire. The radiation leaked into the lake. And the government said that they cleaned it up and put air quotes in that. <laughs> I work for they the government. They're liars. So just so we get yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I think we all work for the government, but that's yeah. a different story. Okay. Um, but so what they did was they cleaned it up and then they made it into a, a park. Okay. Uh, because nothing, nothing says let's picnic near radioactive waste like that. Sounds like a um, horror movie. So, I already said that. I already said it looks yeah. like a horror, horror movie. It's, it keeps getting better. Exactly. <laughs> so there's high strangeness in the area to begin with. There's always been, it's been Native American talk about um, apparitions, uh, kind of like that predator type of, like um, like seeing things moving in that nature where, where the it shimmer, works itself. Like the shimmer effect there. Yeah, the shimmer. Yeah. Um, there's talks about spirit and, and you're talking about elementals and the guardians of the forest. There's been Bigfoot sightings up there. And it's, what's interesting is the Appalachian trail kind of cuts through a little bit of that property every once in a while. So we went up there because, uh, the guy that, that founded, uh, Bronxville paranormal Society, my buddy, um, he lives close by. So he's been, he's been going there for years and he's been having these really weird experiences here in, you know, monkey bark. Uh, chatter, wood knocks, rock knocks. So, and then he went on an investigation one time and he found these quartz stones that looked like they were balls, that like shaped into balls, not smooth or anything, but not a natural formation. It looked like someone purposely made it round. And that was at the tip of the lake, the top part of the lake in an area that's, you know, away from everybody. So we, we, we did a day night investigation on, um, Halloween. <laughs> it was it was the perfect storm. Right. There was a meteor shower that night, full moon. There was um, no precipitation whatsoever. And the plan was to go in and go and remember you remember there's a reason people. there's a reason you're riding a short bus. So so three of us go in there, right? And I don't have any weapons. I live in New York City. Um, it's difficult enough to get a firearm. I want one because I love target shooting, and for, I have two daughters, so you need to have those. Uh, but <laughs> <it's possible. laughs> and second is, uh, you take a firearm onto federal land, you're looking at a, a max, a minimum of a year mandatory in jail for just that, that, that crime alone. So even if I did have firearms, I would never have brought it with me whatsoever. So we had machetes and, and a couple of knives. And we, what we started out, we, we hooked it in. Um, on the way there, there are these um, Karens, which are, you, you see them, some, of, some of the hikers make them, but it's like a pile of stones. And they sometimes they make them into a pyramid or they just stack them on top of each other and make weird things. And in, if you go up to um, Canada, they're called Anukashuk. And they're stone statues made in, of man. It's, it's almost a spirit piece to ward off bad, you know, to warn people that there are things here that are, are strange um, on the high strangest thing. And it's also a protection type of thing. So we're seeing these things built on top of these rocks that are at least 20 feet tall. It's very hard to get to. There's no reason or rhyme for anybody to go up there to make that rock like that. And these are weird structures. We finally make our way into the, the one spot where they found these, these stones, and we set up. There's three of us. There's a, a guy, Bill, who is videotaping. Uh, he, has his own, he had his own YouTube show at one point. Al, you know, the head of the group, and myself. And that's literally, you know, the only people that were there. And we make our camp over by these stones, and, um, you know, we set ourselves up with these little chairs we, we put down. No fire whatsoever, because we don't want to call anybody's attention. And we start doing some investigative work. So we're using parabolic mic to hear anything strange sounds or, or anything you know closer up. And they're getting these sounds that sound like almost like a Morse code type of thing coming in. And it, it, they, as they point it from the ground up along these trees, it gets louder as they get higher. So the possibility that there was sound being generated in that area, military is still there because no one really knows that they cleaned up everything. Um, they, it could be coming from outer space at this point, because we don't know, uh, off-planet. 
But my theory is that because if you take into consideration when this nuclear accident happened and how many years later we're back there, the tree would have been about, you know, yay high. So you may be catching residual radiation type of uh, signatures on, on the product. So that was one experiment. Then we started, we test magnetic fields. We test for, for radiation uh, using Geiger counters. We did an experiment at one point where we, I have a crystal skull. His name is Scully. I, I carry him with me. He's a, real, a small crystal skull. My buddy had a rose quartz crystal. So we put him down by these rocks and we started hitting them with temperature readings. We, we look for mag magnetic anomalies through all your K2 meters and, and other type of electronic uh, testing equipment, and we got nothing. And we kept on doing our own little thing. You'd hear dogs barking in the distance and very little um, wildlife sounds. You get a couple of ducks every once in a while, maybe a ribbit, but that was it. As the night started getting, you know, going into the night, you can physically, you can feel it. Like, you can smell it, you can taste it, you can feel it. This pressure started to build. And then we busted out and opened up and started using uh, our old favorite, the Tibetan singing bowls. And I have, uh, we have a, a, our own Tibetan singing bowl. I was we waiting for you to say you got out, you got out, you took your shirts off and you covered yourself in hot sauce. Because that no, would be, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That, that wasn't happening. It was a little bit too chilly for that. Um, and uh, so we're at this spot. There's nowhere. It's getting darker. And let me tell you, when it gets pitch black there, you can't run anyplace without a light. It, you, you'll kill yourself. You'll poke your eye out and you'll, you'll, you'll die. One area is the only way out from that spot is to hoof it out and make sure you have a good light. Or if you dare jump in that lake, that has some of the, the craziest radiation still probably in there and some alligator bass or something like that that are, are ginormous. Oh. They literally, uh, uh, they eat, you know, fowl. The birds come up and they've, they've, people have seen these things pull them into the lake. So it's kind of like the Simpsons, like, like you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like five eyes so, and two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we start using the Tibetan singing bowl. And... The energy starts ramping up. I mean, it's kind of like if you've ever been outside and you know that the rain's going to come, a storm's coming, you can smell it, you can mm -hmm. taste it, you can feel it. Yeah. The electricity in the air it just ramps up, and there's a pressure. And, and uh, you know, everybody's a little bit more on edge. We call our psychic, who's in, in, uh, in Arkansas, and when we're talking to the psychic, it sounds as if she has marbles in her mouth. She cannot speak, like she has Bell's palsy. And it's, it's all garbled, and she's like, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. It's, it's something's, something's not right there. So we, once we used the Tibetan singing bowls, we started looking again at these two crystal you know, skulls. We were thinking maybe there's going to be an interaction there. Uh, the heat, heat starts, it starts radiating heat off of them. We start getting spikes on our EMF meter. I'm like, okay, cool. This is ramping up. So we're good. We start, you know... We, we had to hang up on her because we just couldn't hear, understand what she was saying. It was so jarble, jumbled that it was crazy. Um, we continue to do some more experiments. We do wood knocks. We do, you know, like with the, against the trees. And the dogs that were barking at one point just shut up the minute we do a tree knock. So this is very interesting. Now, around the area where we are, it's dark now. We keep hearing something walking big on the leaf litter. And we're thinking, well, you got bear up there. You got cat up, the big cat up there. And, you know, you have also have deer, but this is heavier than deer. And the way I can describe it is if you've ever been to an outdoor fair where they have, like, circus animals, even cattle, you can feel the weight of the cattle. When they're walking on the ground, you kind of can feel it if you're really paying attention. This thing felt like a ginormous elephant was walking on the ground. And it was kind of tiptoeing, and my buddy's listening to the, um, he's listening to the uh, parabolic mic, and he hears it even louder. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, yeah, there's something big walking around here. And before you you know it, we're getting responses now from the tree knocks. And we hit the tree, and then we get a response, and we get a response across us from the lake, on the other side of that little spot by the lake, and there's a tree knock back. Then we hear two rock knocks, 
you know, and we're paying attention to that. We try to do a rock knock, but we, we don't have the rocks to do it. We would counter with a tree knock. The next thing you know, we're, we're, if you're visually seeing us, Al's going to be in the center. I'm going to be sitting to the right about 15 feet away from him, 10 to 15 feet away from him. And about 10 feet away from Al to the left is this guy, Bill. And Bill's sitting there and he's filming. I'm doing some stuff with, um, you know, trying to do Twitter live, you know, live streaming. Uh, very bad signals. The next thing you know, we get a bluff charge behind Bill. Bill gets up and he runs. He runs at us. Al grabs him because Bill was like, I'm going. I'm done. He would have been killed. He would have lost his eye. He would have been dead. And you pulled, out, and you pulled out your butter knife. That you, that, oh, I pulled. <laughs> I, I literally had that, that machete out. Oh, I had the machete out. And your heart's pumping because something literally ran up towards him. It was a bluff charge. So we know bear do it, but this is bigger than a bear. So we're, mind you, we're videotaping everything. We have FLIR there. We have full spectrum. We have low light. We have everything we can have for a, you know, a small group. We, we don't, you know, we use our own funds to buy our equipment. And we're getting nothing on this stuff. So then he, he, he calms down. We stand our ground and it stops. The next, we, we go back, we're sitting down. We're just paying attention. We're listening. The next thing you hear is, as if it was standing right next to you, whoop, whoop, and then a second later, whoop, down, down about a, two miles at the other end of the lake. And let me tell you something, this, this whoops reverberated in my chest. This was right near us. And after that, we were pretty much up that night. We didn't need any more coffee at this point. <laughs> we did our ground. <laughs> and, and we're like... We literally heard the whoops as if uh, there's a great whoop in the Sierra sounds from Ronald Moorhead. Um, it sounded exactly like that, but it reverberated off your chest. And there is no way that it can go from point A where we are to point B two miles down the road. It did it in a split second, literally like a second. It went, you know, so at that point, we're like, okay, this is really strange. This is odd. We're all on edge. And the moment that that whoops happened, everything, everything, and, and the last whoop, it started to die down, the tension and everything. So they were trying to figure out what did that, why did it do it? And I was saying that what did that was, I'm going to say it's a bipedal cryptid. I'm going with Bigfoot. Two, the reason why it did whoop, whoop, whoop is because there's three of us, and it was telling the, the other ones he was communicating with which were directly opposite us on the other shore of this lake. We were at the tip of the, the top tip. We were on the right side. There, this was coming from the left side of that lake. And it was saying, don't go there. There's three of them. You, you can't go that way. It was doing recon, okay, which is, you know, pretty much a valid theory. Because we didn't leave, the last action between this cryptid and 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 us as a group after those whoops we ran up on that hill where it was coming from lights blaring this guy had like a, a, a three million candle watt power light there was nothing nothing on the flare nothing on full spectrum nothing on any camera i mean and there's no way you could go any place because it's all woods behind this little hill that was right behind us and we didn't find anything at this this, this point we sit back down for a few more minutes and the next thing you know you hear this you hear a thud it, it, it's right behind my chair something massive is thrown through the woods if you hear some break it lands right behind my chair rolls two three times hits my chair and knocks me out of my chair and it was a large i mean a big big boulder like a stone you know like i i if i had to pick that up it'd probably be about 300 pounds it was that big now, if you and just said it was a bigger stuff. crystal skull, <laughs> I would have oh, That would have been So let me ask you this. Let me ask you. This is, this yeah. is a, a subject that sometimes people have asked me. And, of course, I don't have the, the wealth of, of research. Bigfoot, dogman, do they coexist in the same territory or do they compete for the same food source? Do they, do they fight? What's your thoughts? Ladies and gentlemen. 
That's all the time that we have for this week's episode. Make sure that you tune in next week when we will continue this amazing interview with Brian Bowden. And oh yes, we will find out his take on the theory of competition between the Dogman and Bigfoot. And more. Until next time, never fear what may be lurking within the darkness. See ya. <laughs> God only knows what's hiding in that shadow. God only knows what's hiding in that You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.